Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, and my mortgage now identifies as a student loan, so it can be paid off by the government or forgiven, whichever comes first. I'm D.T. Cavman, and the government basically paid for my student loans because <laughs> I loaned my ass to the government for Quite 20 years. literally. Literally. And they paid my way through college immediately. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. That's that's one great way to go go about it, man. <laughs> Took me quite a few years. Well, but now that... I'm out of it. And now I have a different. Now I have a different loan that I have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? <sighs> but this one at least has equity. So, <laughs> but uh, you are uh, sporting something new on your head there. I am, and I don't normally do this, but um, yes, uh, this weekend I went to my first concert, you might say, since like 2019. Now, where was it? It was at, um, well, the place used to be a Toby Keith's Bar and Grill at Patriot Place. I ate there. (laughs) I took the family there. It, it's no longer Toby Keith's. It's now called Six String, but it's the same basic place. General, you know, country shorts. Huh? Hoochie shorts and, and no. tight tops. No, no. But the, uh, you know, the, the, the general venue is a bit of a country music vibe, although there was plenty of rock and roll being played. But they have a stage at the back where acts will come. In fact, I think Brett Michaels is this weekend, and the weekend after that is Aaron Lewis, the former frontman for Stained, who's now a country oh singer God. from yeah. Western Massachusetts. I wonder. The, I, I, I guess that's why my brother loves Stained so much. Well, Aaron I, Lewis <laughs> is is a Massachusetts native, so yeah. <laughs> but this weekend. Playing on Saturday night for just like an $8 cover at this place is a kid uh, who's on my hat. His name's Timmy Brown. He's a local to this part of southern Massachusetts, born and raised, happens to be cousin of some friends of mine. Um, My parents actually started listening to him a few years ago. Um, some, somebody said, oh, hey, listen to this kid. It's such and such as nephew. And turns out the kid is related to like three of my dad's close friends, <laughs> all, you know, with all different last names and whatnot. It just happens to be that kind of thing. Yeah. And he's been trying to make his way up. He's won local country contests throughout Boston and New England over the last five years or so. I think he's tried out for Idol twice and just think he got on TV once but never made it past some of the lower rounds, um, which is a shame because the kid's immensely talented. Uh, he's got a great voice. He's really starting to develop stage presence as well as um, as well as well some songs that are his. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he's now starting, he's splitting time between here and Nashville, but he does like to come back in the summer and do a lot of shows around here because that's where the bulk of his fan base is. Yeah. And I actually start, you know, somebody let clued me in on him all the way back in 2017, so I periodically picked up another song or two from him, and I don't know, it was just fun. I can't even remember the last time my dad and I went to do something <laughs> like that, so we went and got dinner, and then we just stayed for the show, and it was pretty neat because my parents have gone to see this guy dozens of times at little venues where it's just him and a guitar or slightly larger venues where he's playing, warming up for somebody or something like this. Um, his backing band was pretty good, too. I mean, they all look like they're in their 50s. Yeah, um, they me, were really good and professional. You me some photos just now. And, <laughs> oh, my God. If you look closely at the pictures I sent you of the bass player, he's the guy on the far left of the pictures. He has a different hat during each song. I caught him oh, doing it. Oh. I'm like, that's a different hat. And then I saw there's this huge bag behind him. And he's that's reaching insane. in and he had, he started with a pork pie hat and then he had like a, a brown top hat like Willy Wonka. And then he had uh, a, the, uh, a big red and white cat in a hat hat. <laughs> he had a sombrero when they were playing a song about tequila. He had a British Army pith helmet from the 19th century. Uh, <laughs> oh, he had a he had a coonskin Davy Crockett cap. I saw that one. That was in the thing. It's he yeah. was just rotating, <laughs> and I caught on to it. I'm not sure how many people did. I caught on to it. I elbowed my dad. He caught on to it. This mm-hmm. couple <laughs> who were standing next to us, who we kind of were joking with, I pointed out to them. They started laughing their asses off. And I was looking forward to see what he would wear with each song uh, to see if there was a theme. And one or two was like the sombrero. But overall, it was a fun time. And I don't know. I'd just love to see this kid get a chance. I know he, I, I met him after his first set. You know, went up and purchased the hat. My dad went to say hi. He said, hey, you sound great. And he introduced me. And it was just kind of a neat time. And, uh, you know, what can you say? There's not a whole lot of country acts coming out of New England. Um, Aaron Lewis is gone country. Stephen yeah. Tyler did release a country album. He that did. Is true. He's one of that a million and one rock artists. You know, Darius Rucker, Aaron Lewis, John Bon Jovi, the, uh, Jessica Simpson. They've all released country. Jewel. Some are technically, were, have a little bit more feel to country too. Kind of like Jewel with a little bit of a folk rock indie kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Darius Rucker, his Hootie and the Blowfish songs, some of them sounded kind of country. And he considers Let Her Cry the first country song he ever wrote. Because <laughs> it kind of sounds like it. You change, it is. It yeah. changed up the instruments. And, it's, it's, well, and he plays it a lot in, in his shows. You put a banjo and let her cry. And there it is. It's an instant country song. You don't change anything else. No, you keep everything you really else don't. in you, but you add a banjo. I literally or a steel have... guitar. Yeah, I literally have video of me seeing Darius Rucker in concert, and he's singing that song, and only want to be with you. Um, Yeah. And I did see Jewel in concert. She opened for... Shit, who'd she open for? Oh, she opened for for, uh, Tim McGraw. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, Brad Paisley. She opened for mm. Brad Paisley. I can see and, that. Uh, it was her. It was Jillian Huff. Julian Huff. She opened yeah. first. I remember when guy, she tried to be a country singer too. Gavin DeGraw or something like. Gavin DeGraw is one of those kind of like indie rock guys who kind of flirts with the line a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I could be wrong there. Then it was Jewel, and then it was Brad Paisley, and he wow, freaking rocked. Brad Paisley is the only <laughs> true country singer in that group. Yeah. <laughs> Although Jewel's music, when you listen to the original stuff, isn't that far off. No, and actually Jillian Huff's music was pretty pretty close to country, too. It just means she had people picking it for her. She had, like, one album and disappeared well, from the scene. I Believe me. And they had a meet and greet outside and inside the, the arena. Uh-huh. Like, and you, you couldn't take any pictures if you weren't standing in line, but she looked so plastic. And so and tiny. Yeah, Julia well, Huff. I mean, she's wasn't she really the dancer, like a dancer with the stars or something she like was, that? Yeah, dancing with the stars, and I mean, but the the problem was she looked so plastic. It was so weird, and un, it was uncanny valley weird. Like, yeah, so you're saying that just computer generated her there? It almost was. If you've it, ever it, been to a Brad Paisley concert in like the last ten years, he has a lot of. Uh, He's got a lot of audio-visual out there. He does. But it's usually the cartoons he draws himself. Uh, (laughs) He did have... uh, Who was the one he sang um, Whiskey Lullaby with? Oh, Alison Krauss. She's got the voice of an angel. Yes. They had had not a hologram, but they creatively used the background uh, video, LCD video screen Mm. to make it look like she was there. And he sat on the other side of the stage. So it didn't enter. It didn't, you couldn't compare easily. Well, (laughs) technology is helping with that, you know, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm not trying to shill, but I am trying to maybe get his name out there a little. If we got fans, you know, who are listening in, obviously uh, we don't really have much videos, right? Timmy Brown. Southern uh, Southern Massachusetts own. So. Southern Massachusetts own. That's funny yeah. how you say that. Well, it is. It's true. It's southeastern Mass, Southern Mass. I mean, yeah, southeastern really. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was nice to get out, and it was kind of cool. Uh, I felt pretty old, though. A lot of the, you know, you could tell that there were people who maybe were friends of the family around, but then you could also see that there was a lot of young girls because Timmy's a handsome guy. Uh huh. And he played a, a song. He's like, oh, yeah, I wrote this when I broke up with my girlfriend about a year ago. And, and they go, woo! Like, woo! <laughs> yeah. Thank you for cheering on my pain. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. They're like, ooh, he's single. Yeah. Like, uh, so you're uh, saying there's a chance. <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's great. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, I listened to his one song uh, in the interim while you were talking. And it sounded great, man. It sounded really good. So that that is my favorite song by him. That's how we drink here. It's mm-hmm. a fun song. He he definitely throws in reference to Sam Adams. Um, I don't know if he had like a small local sponsorship from them. Like I think in the music video, he's got he's he's able to show the logo. Oh, okay. At least well, I think I mean, so. You can mention it as long as you don't denigrate it. 
Like, oh, yeah. It's all free advertising for the, you know, mm-hmm. company, so they don't care. Oh, yeah. It, uh, fun song. He's got, got a few. Uh, you know, he just released his first full album about a year or so ago, and I guess he's got he's working on another project, which he's been dropping some singles. So, I don't know. No more power I wish to him luck. And uh, it is, it's just kind of nice to get that feel. I've always liked country music, and it's kind of nice to have somebody who sings, you know, it, it kind of has the same kind of experiences to a degree that, that we do here mm-hmm. up north. I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of rednecks up north, folks. <laughs> I was driving through one of the towns I work in today, and it's a little more rural. And I'm like, "Yep, right." I was talking to my coworkers, I'm like, "And uh, yeah. that's proof right there that there's northern rednecks right there." You get in uh, California, you get up into the foothills. That looks like Appalachia. Uh, Appalachia has such beautiful <laughs> mountains, such amazing music too. But Winter's Bone kind of Appalachia. The movie Winter's Bone. Did you ever see it? No. Oh, with um, What's-Her-Face that played... um, Shoot, she was in um, uh, uh, Hunger Games. The main person, Katniss. What's her freaking name? Jennifer Lawrence? Yes, Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. That was like her big breakout role. It's it's a pressing movie. I mean, it's a good movie, but it's one of those movies you'll see and you'll never want to see again. But you're you're kind of glad you watched it, but you're never going to want to see it again. Yeah. Just like Hillbilly Elegy. Hillbilly Deluxe, my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've kind of uh, thrown a little... Caution to the wind on a slightly different opening than normal, but uh, mm-hmm. we have an interesting topic this time. And it's a bit, I would say, tangentially related to a previous topic, one from a few weeks ago. Yes. You start. You you lead us in. All right. The hat swap is complete. I am now in game mode. Calorie right. mode. <laughs> I'm DT Catman, and I approve the hat change. (laughs) Okay, so a couple weeks ago, we did an episode on underrated characters from some of our favorite sci-fi, fantasy, and superhero stuff, right? Yes. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, It was really cool to do that. And... We definitely have had some discussions back and forth on some of our favorite characters, whether they were main characters or not. And as happens lately, my muse spoke to me. One of the things she suggested is... Your muse. Your muse. She has no name. My darling bride. Just a muse. My darling bride was like, well, what about... uh, Episode about people who, because I think I had mentioned about all the different uh, Star Wars movies, like uh, Star Wars and Marvel TV shows and spinoffs. She's like, yeah, you know, how about characters who you think deserve a spinoff or maybe an origin story? Because this, it kind of fits this with what we're getting this week. 
we're kind of getting there the uh, Captain Christopher Pike is getting his own show finally. Yeah. He was never he, <laughs> let's just say it, he was never meant to have a show. It was his overwhelming popularity among uh Oh uh, no, Christopher Pike and, was meant to have a show. No, no, I'm talking about in the destiny side <laughs> of things. But you're right. They, they he was <laughs> poor Jeffrey Hunter. My my wife my wife is Jeffrey Hunter's biggest fan, and if I told her that she'd be like, "Who's Jeffrey Hunter?" and I'd be like, "Oh, you know, the guy with the really pretty eyes and that looked handsome in that western from the fifties." Oh, him, yeah, like <laughs> that's when she fell in love with him. But man, that guy, he just never caught a break. I mean, it's almost it's almost his I mean, he, he was legacy, Jesus. really. He was Jesus. He did play Jesus. I mean, he was Jesus. I mean, everything's pretty much downhill from there. Uh, uh, talk Where to are you going to go after playing Jesus? Was it Henry Caviezel or Jeff Caviezel or whatever his name is? Uh, from from the, Jim the Caviezel. Passion. Jim Caviezel. Yeah. I knew his last name for some reason. That's odd. Well, it's not. It's it's not the you know something that. that well, it's something when it stands out. Yes. But uh, Jeffrey Hunter, right under Jeffrey Tambor and Jeffrey Cubes. Ooh, I don't know if we should talk uh, Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> He's got well. Coombs is, Coombs is ahead of Jeffrey Tambor. Think about that. Jeffrey Coombs. Yeah. Coombs. You know what? Let, he deserves, Jeffrey Coombs deserves a Star Trek show of his own. <laughs> Where he plays half the half the bridge crew. <laughs> he, he, he could, could play do the it. entire bridge crew. You could, he could. Well, a, look, that costs money. Ship, it's a time ship. <laughs> and it's, it's got a clone of Wayoon, Brunt, and Shran all on board. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which it kind of ties in a little bit. So I, I I sent you an article today. Did you see it? Oh uh, crap! Um, so it was an interview with the uh, with the. Oh, actor you know what? Playing... I I didn't read it, but yes, I I got it. Yes. Um, Meet Bruce, the telepathic blind engineer on Strange New Worlds. Bruce Horak, who plays Hammer the chief engineer of the Enterprise in Strange New Worlds, who is an Anar. And the Anar are subspecies of Andorians, which I have a much paler right. skin. And they were used by the Romulans in the, uh, in the coalition arc, so to speak, where uh, you have Earth, Telar, Andoria, and... Vulcan coming together to track down the Romulan um, uh, uh, mimic ship. And it's piloted from afar by a telepathic Anar. Mm-hmm. And the Romulans have been kidnapping the Anar. And uh, when they discover that on, on one of the ships, Archer and Shran go down below the ice of Andoria, and they discover the Anar, who everyone had thought had died out. And apparently, in the future of the of Star Trek, 
they do eventually die out because they're a very small population. But you, we get to see a lone, you know, one of the last remaining ones in Hemmer. Now the actor is, and they are, since they're subterranean, the Anar are blind. Yep. And the actor is also legally blind. So you you get to have that, you know, you're able to have a natural uh, race and character for this actor to play, which I think is excellent. Um, plus, it brings back an Enterprise legacy race, which now we'll get to get a little bit more expansion of. Uh, so I think that's awesome. But in this interview, he said that he is he would love to meet Jeffrey Combs, who basically made Andorians happen. The modern Andorian, yeah, yes. absolutely. Uh, <laughs> that's funny because he he. How early involved was he with the Ferengi? Because I know I know. Armin Shimmerman was no, one of the first came on we board ever saw. Space Nine, like season three. So Armin Shimmerman and Match Grudenchek had both played Ferengi on the Next Generation. Right. But Jeffrey Coombs got involved with the Ferengi on Deep Space Nine. In Deep Space Nine in season three. And, okay. Yeah, he'd he'd been a couple of I think he'd had a couple of other roles in uh Deep Space Nine and Voyager, I think, as as different characters. But He's, of course, most well-known for his major three characters, Brunt and Wayoon yep. in, in Deep Space Nine, and Shran in Star Trek Enterprise. Now, And the dude got to reinvent two of those alien races. Like, he came and he was not the first... Um, Vorta. Vorta. Right. But he was the most prominent. And they he basically set the cloning- stage as a thing for them so they could bring back Jeffrey Combs. Exactly. Exactly. So here's my... Here's a character who I think deserves a spinoff. Since there's been rumors that Shran was going to come aboard Enterprise in in its season five, should they have a season five, thus having an even more diverse crew. Um, They were also planning on slapping a rudimentary star drive hull on the base of the NX-01 to make it look more like it's going to be an early generation going forward. But I think Shran would be a great character for a spinoff. And here's why. One, you get Jeffrey Combs leading a series, which I definitely think he could do. He's a very talented actor. He brought so much to the role of Shran despite playing him, playing him in what? Ten episodes, maybe? Oh, man. Was it only ten? I guess it was, right? I, I don't know for sure. I I can look it up. But Shran became as much of an ally to Archer, despite a few ups and downs, um, as anyone he had. In fact, he was more a little bit more of an ally to Archer and the Enterprise more than the Vulcans in the first couple. Oh, absolutely. I I think he ingratiated himself to Archer very quickly. 
Uh, it, the it was were... the other way around, I believe, because remember, Archer basically exposed in Shran's first appearance in Pajem, Archer basically exposed the Vulcan listening post. Yeah, and, and yeah. Tried to, by pissing off the Vulcans, he also tried to prevent a war. So when you think <laughs> about it, there was nobody episodes. else. 11, 11 episodes. Damn, I was close. You were close, but you were wrong, so it doesn't count. So, <laughs> I mean, when you just look at his roles at all, I mean, he was on, he had a guest role on Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. He played the Scarecrow in the, in the Batman the Animated Series. Batman that was him? Crazy. Oh, my God. That was great. That was a great role. That was scary as hell. Uh, nope. Look, if you look in the Star Trek Enterprise under his Wikipedia page, it says he plays Shran and a guy named Krem, which means this guy Krem was like a one-episode thing, and Shran must have been in ten! <laughs> oh, my God. Hold on. He played two others, Shran and Krem and Commander... Oh, that's Commander Shran. Interesting. Uh-huh. Well, you are bordering um, idiot oh. savant here. When it comes to this kind of shit. Did you so, ever watch Justice League Unlimited? Only a couple episodes. It was so good. And Jeffrey Combs played the question. Oh, he the, played the question. Oh, the my God. faceless mystery detective. He was <laughs> so good. He was so good. I, I loved him as the question. Once I heard that voice, I was hooked. You got Nathan yeah. Fillion playing um, Vigilante. I mean, come on. <laughs> that show had so many great actors doing voiceover work. Oh, they had like half the Star Trek cast. Well, they had tons. I mean, you had... Um, I'm sorry, the Next Generation cast. Half of the Next Generation cast. Like like well, uh, like Gargoyles did. And a lot in Batman the Animated Series, I think, had quite a few as well. Yeah. They had John C. McGinley play um, The Atom, Ray Palmer. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yep I mean what can you say man they, they crushed it like I said Nathan Fillion played and I, this was this was after him playing Mal Reynolds so he has this kind of southern twang or this western drawl with his mm-hmm. vigilante so needless to say Jeffrey Coombs as Shran I just I don't think Brunt or Wayoon could carry a, a, a show because Wayoon is a sycophant and a he needs somebody to suck up to. He's kind of no, like a minion. Uh, Do you ever no, watch Minion Shran, where they're trying to find their own, a boss to serve? <laughs> that, uh, that would, no, I if, stayed away from that movie. If, <laughs> I know Jeffrey, what you're talking about. if, if Wayoon was going to have a show, he'd be like going from different race to different race to fight yeah. A worthy successor to the founders. <laughs> Brunt could be interesting, but I think he's better in small doses. Shran was literally on the verge of becoming a main character. I think he could have carried a show on his own. That would have been fascinating to see him on the bridge. As a, Also, what, what was he, a commander? Or was he a sub-commander? He was a commander. He was a captain of his own ship. I'm yeah. kind of curious as to what he would be, like the Andorian liaison or something, like with right, like, no, like official rank structure. 
equal equal to to Paul. Basically, but, I mean the but the 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 tension between those two. Even and, though and they kind to, of in, in, started to bury the hatchet at some point too, which was kind of good. Yeah, but they still had different ways of going about things. Of course, and that would be excellent. And him uh, him Damn. spouting off and calling Archer pink skin on the on the bridge of his own ship that'd be fun. Yeah, it was racist, but you know, fun. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen him use it against Travis. Uh, uh, do I look- <laughs> In fact, it was actually like like how the Mormons call non-Mormons Gentiles, even Jews. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was from back in the 1800s. That's what it was. In, but yeah, in the expand oh, in the um, Enterprise relaunch series, they did. Uh, a two-part extra thick novels of the Romulan War. And oh, that that would have been cool. No, they were. If read those books, they're great. The Enterprise relaunch. After they those two books do the war, then the series actually turns to the birth of the Federation, and it follows the Federation's early years and where all the crew of the Enterprise uh, ended up as they kind of split up a little bit, like. Mm-hmm. During the war, Travis was ended up serving on another ship, and he encountered and they encounter Shran before a fight with the um, Romulans. And he's like, "Oh, I remember this pink skin from Archer's ship." He's like, "Do I look pink to you?" He's like, "Touche." <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, because I mean that's the funny part because a vast majority of humans are not pink skinned. No. And really, none of us are pink skinned, but whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's kind of like the Ferengi's human, you know? Yeah, humans. Well, we're all humans, but yeah. <laughs> um, so, so. Uh, it, it, but what do you think? Do you, I mean, I think that character it would actually be great. Let's just say you place it. Immediately after the founding of the Federation, and maybe Shran has command of an of an early Federation starship made of Endorian design. Yeah, maybe like an early hybrid of certain designs. Um, with and of course, you know, predominantly for the first hundred years of the Federation, most of the crews were primary of each, with usually maybe one or two. Uh, additional race members as a liaison or something. Well, how do you want me to do this? Do you want me to give me my true thoughts or just like be an asshole and and say why you're wrong? Give me your true thoughts. We're always assholes. (laughs) Because that's how some, that's how some shows do it. It's like, the the other person will just take the complete opposite just for the sake of doing the opposite. I get enough of that listening to sports radio up here. Let's be I, let's be our own things. If we agree, let's agree. If we don't, let's not. Okay. I agree. Handled. There we are. <laughs> so that was so this was a good pick then. That was a good leadoff. That was a good pick. That was a good pick. I mean, some... it, it's hard to. I mean, he's, he he. Did you finish season two of Lower Deck? No, I haven't even started it. Oh God, uh, I've got—I can't even finish Picard. I got to finish Picard first. 
with without spoiling the episode, he basically plays a malevolent computer program. Oh, course, yeah, I saw that, like Akrama or Akrama or Arkma or something like that. It was, it was just him. It was allowing him to be a complete asshole all show. It was great. <laughs> and just to hear his voice back. I mean. He doesn't work enough. I mean, I'm sure he's got a nice nest egg. I'm sure he works up plenty. and everything. I mean, you saw him in the, uh, you saw him in, in uh, what you left behind him and Casey Biggs and Armin Schimmer and Max Grudinchek are like a fucking lounge band. Singing. I know. <laughs> he can sing, too. He's not Goodbye a bad singer. Goodbye, my so. Enterprise, baby. <laughs> Goodbye, yeah, the Enterprise, drive. <laughs> I left my Quark and Captain Cisco as opposed to I yeah, left my heart in San Francisco. Was, yep. I'm sorry, <sighs> Tony. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. So moving on. So Shran spinoff. Yay. Got it. Yay. Or you Wayne can even make a cool origin. Not so story. much. What what spinoff? Uh Wayun spinoff, not so much. No. Ditto with Brunt. So Ditto with Brunt I would just be incessantly annoying. Brunt is very they're those two characters are very good. He's a foil. They're her. foils. Exactly. You know, well, I, I wouldn't say Wayun is a foil, but Brunt is a foil. Yeah. Wayun is a supporting is like character. <laughs> nice. Nice. I thought it was so, a two served answer, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to do an antithesis here. Sure. I'm going to talk about a character that we've all heard should have a spinoff series, has not gotten it. And I disagree that they should get one. Captain Worf? Captain Worf. Hmm, interesting. Now, is this okay? Is this allowed? Sure, yeah. Because I mean, there was this big movement before Discovery came about where Michael Dorn was campaigning really hard to get a Captain Worf series going. It's still being floated around. I know it is. I know it is. And they're never going to do him justice, uh, number one. But number two... I just, I can, I, I, we've already talked about the, the wonderfulness that Worf's character got in growth at D, in Deep Space Nine. Like he was much more better served in Deep Space Nine than he ever was in TNG. Just Google all the times Worf has been denied in TNG. And it's like a 20 minute video or all the times right? Worf gets his ass kicked in TNG just to make yes. the enemy seem more threatening. Exactly. How many but, dudes did he actually? How many dudes did he really beat up in the next generation? I mean, he killed Duras. Uh, Duras. That's what I meant. I mean, um, he, he killed the fuck out of Duras, and that was pretty yeah, badass. He, he had that it was, coming too. <laughs> honestly, that was the only thing. And, and then he killed like a holographic Skeletor. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he killed some Borg and stuff like that. But I mean, he was more badass in First Contact than he was on. When he was on the Enterprise D. Who brings a blade to an <laughs> to, to an extravehicular uh, 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 fight, man? <laughs> Tell me Worf wasn't cooler when he had the mech left, though. 
I know he was. It just no, made I him know. more dangerous. If Picard let him carry a Mechleth on the Enterprise, they would have had a lot less boarding problems. Yes. Now, here's the deal. I love Worf as a character, and it, I only loved him more in Deep Space Nine. He really did get that much better in Deep Space Nine. He got he, Not only did Deep Space Nine get that much better, but he got that much better, which I don't even know who helped whom, honestly. It was a, no, I think it was a good fit, mutual. It was. It really was. But, I mean, he was supposed to help Deep Space Nine, but it felt like it, he got help more. Anyway. That being said, I do not think that Worf as a captain day in and day out, episode in and episode out, would be all that compelling. Uh, you know, I kind of I kind of agree with you. Now, if if they actually threw it out there, I would watch it hands down. Michael me too. Dorn as me too. Worf, Don't get me wrong. It it it's like the card. <laughs> Is Picard does is Picard as great as the next generation? No. Will I still watch it because Patrick Stewart is John Luke Picard? Fuck yes. Is he a different looking Picard than earlier? Of course, but you know what? It's still Patrick Stewart as John Luke Picard, and I will fucking watch that. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I know we've been teased and tripped by the series. But I look forward to seeing them all together one more time. We shall see. Apparently, I still have a subscription, even though I canceled it. So <laughs> it's been almost eight weeks since I hey, last man. canceled my subscription. There's There's <laughs> been plenty of celebrities who have technically been canceled, or, but are still getting work. Just remember that. Oh, my God. I, I've, I've, I have canceled my Paramount Plus subscription Eight weeks ago, seven weeks ago, and I still have complete access to everything. It's so weird. It shouldn't be this way. Anyway, I just hey, I feel last like... week I went and bought a, a Coke can out of a machine, and two came out. Such is life, my friend. You're talking about a vending machine versus an algorithm. All right, let's do it. Uh... <laughs> As I said, my. My friend, such is life. Such is life. That's nice. <laughs> no, no, I'm not doing Borat. I know you aren't, but I was. Um, but I, I don't feel that Worf has the emotional depth. And the... the, the... He's got gravitas, right? But it, it's more one-dimensional gravitas. I know, right? And besides which, when you think about it, who are you going to get to play the female lead? They know their days are numbered. It's Worf. Yeah, she's fucked. <laughs> I mean, she's—I mean, she'll be dead pretty quickly. I, my God, it was—it was—it was, it was, it was uh, Deanna Troy's lucky day that they, the, the, the Sona, you know, intervened in having them, you know. No, was Deanna a relationship Troy's... with with yeah. Uh, Riker? Yeah, but by that time, Worf had already married and lost Jadzia. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it was. Boy. It was really he was lucky that the Enterprise was blown up. That's she was lucky that the Enterprise got blown up. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what it was. Yeah, she would have been dead long ago. Love you, Deanna. <laughs> 
Was it Kalar? What was was his first mate? Kalar? Kalar, yes. Yeah. But, I mean, think about it. He would be the captain, and he'd be an asshole. Would it have been a Starfleet ship or a Klingon ship? They would make a Starfleet ship. They've kicked both ideas around, too. They did. They wouldn't make it a Klingon ship because it would be too inaccessible to the non-Star Trek fan. Hey, it would have been even better if they did it all in Klingon and subtitles. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> they practically did with the the first episode of of uh, Discovery. Yeah. Holy that, shit. <laughs> that we shall not mention that. Oh those, my god. Those are not Klingons. I don't know what they are, but they're not Klingons. They they talked about being Klingons. But yeah, they were well. Different than Klingons, but if you took those and the Klingons from the original series and smushed them together, then you'd get the Klingons that everybody loves. Maybe, holy at, hell! At least physically, because you need the human. Yeah, from the original. Oh, you're series right. To... Okay, you know, the original series and the Discovery series mash them together. That's why you get TNG. Yeah. Yes, that's what you said. You're right. Absolutely. But he would be. Captain, probably of a Starfleet ship, mostly human, probably a few, you know, dropped in aliens here and there, but he'd be an asshole. Like, and, he, you know, okay, the story would be he'd have to learn how to talk to humans, but he's goddamn what, 60 years old now? And he, I mean, he would have had to learn to talk to humans the whole time in a commanding, in a commanding structure, which, you know, we only saw a few times in Deep Space Nine, and he was also told that he would never have a command again. Because what did he do? What what was what was his uh, sin? Well, the first black mark was when he killed Duras, right? And and Cisco said after he 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 and he abandoned meeting up with a Cardassian agent to rescue Dax, that two black marks on his record would prevent him from ever getting a command of his own, which That's apparently right. in canon. For the next generation, or for Picard, Picard fought, I guess this was in the tie-in novels, Picard fought for Worf to take command of the Enterprise. So apparently, Worf received command of the Enterprise when Picard got promoted to Admiral for the Romulan relief Hmm. effort. Interesting. You've not seen it, but it's in the official tie-in novels. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, they didn't. They they mentioned the Enterprise in the in the tie-in uh, comics, leading up to Picard, but they didn't mention who was the captain. Fascinating. You got well, warped. He got warped. But that's my point. I I just don't think that it would have been a very compelling show. And again, finding why... love again versus not, and then because the best. Go ahead. Sorry. The best Worf episodes when he was truly learning about becoming not only a better. Uh, I, w- I don't want to say becoming a better human, but learning humanity, it, just becoming a better person, because even Klingons know how to enjoy themselves. And he didn't know how to do that because he was tragically scarred as a child. I mean, he lost his entire family in the battle for Kittimer. Well, not only that, if you I can't remember I can't remember which episode it was in where they basically say that Worf has had to restrain himself because 
he that was the Riza episode. Where he accidentally killed the kid? Yeah, he talked soccer. about it to Jadzia. And he talked about how he grew up among humans that were essentially weaker than he was. And he had to learn how to restrain himself and everything. Understood. I get that. Which and is that's fine. kind of funny when you consider how anti-genetic engineering he was. When basically Bashir had to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. God. Did we talk about that episode? We've talked about the Bashir, that character. Yeah, Dr. Bashir, little... I presume. Yeah. Anyway, that being said, the character I do feel would be worthy of a spinoff. Jordy mm-hmm. LaForge. Interesting. Jordy LaForge would have a great opportunity to see great character growth. Also, not only that, but as but he don't have to take rank, my word for it. Exactly. But he would go up in rank because we uh, all we saw in TNG was a, a Jordy that was terrible with women. Right. And he had no confidence. He's one of the best engineers out there. But he had zero confidence with women. But as he gets older, he would learn how to get rid of that fear and learn how to have a family as he advances in his career. We already know he becomes the captain of the Providence in uh, Voyager's Endgame, which, you know, that's that future goes away. We know that. Agreed. <laughs> but uh, he does eventually become captain. And a different he we saw a different Jordy there. Jordy was actually in charge of building the relief fleet. I know. I know he was. He built the jellyfish as well. Mm, yes. But I think Jordy give you know, take away take away the the, the Kelvin universe. I think Jordy would be a great spin-off exercise. Hmm. Even for a season or a mini-series. Interesting. You mean aboard a starship or teaching at Starfleet Well, Academy? that would be the question. I mean, would he... I think, I think it would be a human story, and obviously that can go in any direction, but maybe it would be best teaching at Starfleet Academy. We get to see a side of Starfleet Academy that we never get to see. Yeah, and that and this would not be commercial in any way, too. shape, or form. This would not be commercial in any way, shape, or form because no one would be able would, would be willing to set this on Earth, even though they set pretty much all of season two of Picard on Earth and LA in 2024. Um, <laughs> no one would want to set this on Starfleet Academy the entire time, and no one goes into space very much. But him learning, him, him being like a, a head of the class kind of uh, teacher, you know what I mean? You mean, you mean like Howard Hessman or, or Billy Connolly? Exactly. He would have that. He has that kind of humor. He could do it. Well. You know, you're not I'll, completely convinced on this. No, here's how I think you make it better. OK. One of Jordy's associate professors or whatever is Reg Barkley. Hmm. Okay. It would be perfect. 
It's either that or make him the chief engineer of Worf's starship. <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine Barkley being a chief engineer on Worf's starship? I can imagine Barkley actually being a good chief engineer, just probably not for Worf. Not for Worf. It, I mean, <laughs> it really does matter on who commands you. That's for sure. <laughs> but that would be a great ad. What do you think? I would agree with that. Having Barkley on. So yeah. there was there was another um, ex, uh, expanded universe novel. Um, it's like called The Challenger or something like that. Basically, Scotty has put together... Because in, in the expanded universe, Scotty comes back and becomes head of Starfleet Corps of Engineers in the 24th century. So he kind of gets involved in R&D and everything. But he takes out an experimental galaxy-class starship called the Challenger, and they pull in a bunch of uh, famous engineer characters from some of the novels and TV shows, and they're all serving on one ship, including he brings on Jordy for uh, a limited time and Reg Barkley and Nog. The one nice. thing they didn't do was bring on Miles O'Brien, although they mentioned him. Um, but they kind of follow... The uh, they actually tie together. This book was pretty interesting. It tied together some loose plot threads, like the the um, Rasmussen, the uh, the the time traveler who was supposed to be Robin oh, Williams. Oh yeah, he gets brought back into it, and Damon Bach from <laughs> you know, uh, Picard uh, the Stargazer incident. Yep, and then. Uh, they actually find out what happens to Jordy's mom because her what, what happened to her ship because it disappeared and was presumed destroyed. Oh, they find out. Well, don't because, say anything because we got to talk about that later. Well, so. like like I said, it's an interesting. Um, it's an interesting. It was an interesting idea because they pulled in a lot of these engineers from, uh, you know, from lore and whatnot. So all on one ship trying to solve problems together. But I yeah. could see I could see that would be a neat idea, you know, to do Jordy doing um on like an R and D type vessel or something like that. Or mm-hmm. if it's not at Starfleet Academy, work at say the Mar- the Utopia Planitia shipyards. Yeah. Which you could tie right into the Picard thing. He gets his own spin off as they rebuild the, the fleet yards. After they get blown up by the synths, and you know what comes from that. I don't know. Just thoughts. It's it. I mean, those are decent thoughts and everything. I I I think Jordy would be more worthy than Worf, but that's me. Well, that's because so. Jordy, for the most part, got underserved at times. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and a lot of times, he ends up being one of the people who helps Data grow. Has it more than him at times? You know what I mean. Well, he was Data's best friend, right? As opposed to Picard. Picard was not Data's best friend. In fact, Picard was pissed off at Data half the time. But Picard was most definitely Data's mentor, and particularly later in the mm-hmm. season. And of course, they tied it in into the movies. When you see it, in you're the not movies. you're not wrong because you know they did the acting style, the acting lessons, and. Yeah, that's true. Or you got to feel the music. Wait, did did Picard teach him in music at all or no? 
I don't think I so. I think it was Riker trying to teach him music. I think it was Riker. But Jordy was trying to teach him to paint, right? This was from one. What was it? One one zero. It was the binary. One one zero zero one one zero zero one. Yeah, where he's like, you find something funny, sir. I'm like, a blind man teaching an android to paint. It's got to mean something in somebody's book. <laughs> yeah. Um, Picard kind of gave. It, it was interesting, like in the second, in the end of Redemption Part Two, where. Data, after disobeying Picard's orders going to uncover the Romulans, he then goes aboard the Enterprise and turns himself over for disciplinary action. And Picard kind of whips upon him a little bit of uh, Starfleet captain mentoring, you know, about why he's not actually in trouble, but don't make a habit of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So. (laughs) Dang. I think I think uh, Jordy would uh, be a good one, and of course we've stuck with Trek. Who else do you think deserves a spinoff? Maybe from outside that franchise, or an uh, origin story. Origin story. Here's an origin story I'd like to see. Not so much on a who, but on a group. Okay. The Techno Mages in Babylon Five. An origin story. That would be that would be a thing. That would oh, definitely yeah, be a thing. Be. Yeah. When this, it's a shame because the very first like main techno mage you get to meet is Michael Ansara, who just crushed it. Yes, yes, yes. And he, he quotes Gandalf. It's like uh, you know, uh, it's best not to. What was it to uh, try the the temper of wizards or something like that? Exactly. Yeah. Test the patience of wizards. God damn. And again, I don't know enough about Babylon Five to be able to say anything. The like techno that. mages yeah. were not shown much. They had maybe a handful of episodes in Babylon Five. You get to see a little bit more of their background in Crusade when you have Galen on there, and uh, any any chance to bring Peter Woodward back as uh, Galen, I'm on board with. Yeah. Maybe Maybe it's not a uh, maybe it's not an origin story of the techno mages, or maybe it's Galen <laughs> kind of doing like a, a techno mage. You know, maybe he's the one narrating the story of the techno mages. That'd be great, right? That's an idea. No, I, I agree. That would be something. I was thinking. Gosh, I was thinking also about about Babylon Five and. I I don't know if this is a cop out or not, but I would like to see more Shepard. Sheridan. Sheridan. Well Bob, if, Bruce Boxleitner. If, if the I don't know, we get a lot of him. He did a lot of the movies. I know. That's the that's that's my point. That's why I prefaced it with a cop out. Like But I we mean, will I guess the reboot is supposed to focus on him from the beginning. Really? Supposedly. Well, I'm not trying to be a cop out on it, like I said, but I always liked him better than Sinclair. Shep- Sinclair. The problem is they had both S names. You, you say Shepard one more time. I'm going to make you slap yourself. Shepard is part of the, the Mass Effect uh, thing. That's what that's what gets me. 
Yeah, and I said it one more time. <laughs> but, the, I mean, why do you replace one character that has an S name with another character that has an S name? Continuity? Oh, God. Seriously, was that necessary? No. Yeah, I mean, you could have, you could have, you could have named with Jericho. That would have been better. The best, the best captain in Babylon Five history, Captain Commander Jericho. You're an asshole. I am. <laughs> I've been, I've been sending DT Cabman some Jer- Captain Jericho memes. Jellico, if you're going to be an obnoxious person, at least say it right. Nah. Nah. And I will reiterate. Why acknowledge my faults? Not a good captain. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying he's the best captain. I'm now saying he's the most. Just enjoyable. because he got the deuce as ex deuce machina the the MacGuffin doesn't mean that he was a good captain. It just meant the writers slam things together. He, at the very end, he goes, "Oh, and I understand that you have a Starfleet officer by the name of Picard in your possession. I want him released immediately." Understood. And there it was. That was it. That was all that happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I know your feelings on Jellico. I'm not. I'm. 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 I'm playfully pushing the buttons, but I'm not being a dick about it. Okay. So. <laughs> all right. So. Who else? Okay, so I was talking about uh, Sheridan. Because um, we already got a bit that, of his origin story in the movie in the beginning. You know who was? You know who would be interesting, and you're not going to be able to provide a lot of input on this one. I'll, I'll fully admit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be um, Colonel Carter from Stargate. No, I. Uh, you mean as a spinoff? Wasn't she also yeah. commander of Atlantis for a short time? She was, and that's... I don't know if that's like a... I mean, she was there for maybe half a season. That's the thing. She started off in, like, season four as their commander, and then halfway through, she got reassigned, and then they added Robert Picardo as the commander. I think you'd like, be... I think you might be interested to see the... If we're going with Stargate, I would kind of like to see... An origin story for Jack O'Neill. Ooh. Origin story indeed. Yeah, we get to see him in Special Forces. Because he was in Special Forces with the Air Force, apparently. Like, well, they do They do have special operations. They do. Yeah. That, that is not bullshit. They, they do have a special operations unit. But the, the, the father from Veronica Mars was in one of his uh, teams. <laughs> So, and he was fantastic in that in that episode in season seven when they brought him in. But, um, yeah, no, I, Jack O'Neill, I had a storied history, and I mean, it would be non-sci-fi. It would be more. That, I mean, that's the thing. It would be a. It would be an origin story where there's not a lot of sci-fi at all. He didn't. He didn't have. He didn't have a tolerance for that stuff. It wasn't until after he went to Abydos for the first time in the movie. Well, it's, it's that he actually being interested when he, in stars. He changed from 
Kurt Russell to MacGyver. That's really what happened. Well, that's true. I mean, that's all true. I mean, that's literally the transition. But so, I mean, it would be like a SEAL Team 6 show. Uh, And I enjoy those. It would just be non-sci-fi, even though it takes place in a world where the ghouls exist. Yeah, but you can do it the right way. You can leave clues like this is something unexplained. Like they, it's like what happened here. It's like there's like an unexplained virus or something that takes out part of his team. And they have like these hieroglyphs or something. And then you can have like these these mysteries and it basically leads all the, you know, it kind of leads up to the initial star, Stargate. I suppose that they could retcon a few things where he did some special forces uh, recon stuff that you, you was, don't even that was have... related that was related to the Stargate program that he didn't know about, right? And that was why he was picked because they knew that he could handle weird things under pressure, right? And i.e. going to another planet, but man, that would be. I mean, you know what? You want to give a writer the ability to write something, you give them certain rules, and then they get creative under those rules. So maybe that would work. That might work. I I don't know. But that would be the kind of world we'd be looking at. That's interesting. That's an interesting topic. Now, from what I understand is that Captain Carter... Started in the very beginning of SG-1, and she went through the entire series and then went on to Atlantis, right? She did, yeah. She became a colonel, major colonel. But Jack O'Neill left after, what, like six or seven seasons? He went on to Washington to be uh, um, a not a rear... Uh, a brigadier, a general. He became a general. He wasn't a brigadier general. He got, he, by the time everything was done... Wasn't the first level of general, it was the second level of general. general. Major general. He was a major general at that point. He was in he was in Washington, basically um advocating at the Pentagon for the Stargate program. Yep. But yeah, yeah, he was off camera. Like from season eight to the rest of the end, he was basically a guest star. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is fine. There you go. Carter kind of got a full run. I mean, I, I know it's kind of like saying, hey, Worf could do another show. It is. I know. It's... Because Worf's been on. He's the only person who's been a regular on two separate Star Trek shows. Yes. No, and I agree. And then this is the problem with like some really good writing on some of these shows. A lot of these characters are already fleshed out. So having a spinoff series doesn't help them Worf was never very well developed in tng like we loved him we knew enough about him but it was ds9 that really gave him a life well yeah he had deep space nine gave a lot of people lives because you know their (laughs) off time was just a little bit easier to check in on right right but uh, yeah but but stargate and that's the, I mean, that's the key, right? Like what what character is most deserving of a spinoff that hasn't been developed enough, but is most compelling to be able to create a, an entire series around? Hmm. Well, 
how about Battlestar? Is there anybody now? We we know that Obama got an origin movie, basically. He did. And technically, even a series, right? Wasn't Caprica about like his father? Uh, yeah, it was his grandfather, I think. Maybe it was his father. It's been a long time. I stopped watching Caprica after like three episodes. It wasn't. And that's the thing. It was stuck on Caprica. It was basically Vancouver, Canada. And. Yeah, yet another pilot, by the way, that had boobs in it that they couldn't air on TV. Sometimes I think sci-fi gets away with some of these stuff. I, the channel, well, our sci-fi channel. Well, I mean, I mean, most of the most of the sci-fi you saw was a lot of TNA from from the supporting female characters, wasn't it? Always, and we forbidden planet, forbidden planet. Half the two of the three guys on that Earth ship wanted to bang that girl. Yeah. No, was, what mean, was her name? Tila? Not Tila. Something like that. It was close to something like that. Like, I mean, that was what sci-fi was. It was, a, you know, filtered horniness. For, for a, a segment of the population that, according to the rest of the population, had no chance with women. So. Exactly. Anyway. All right. So do you have anybody? Altera. Her name is Altera, by the way. Sorry. I guess it would be hard for Battlestar to have spinoff. Um, just they, because developed, of the way... they developed a lot of their characters really well. You know, you could out have of, seen... Out of what? Out of all the characters, you know the one that I thought would have been the most likely mm-hmm. until the last season? <laughs> Starbucks' husband. What's Sam his name? Anders. Yeah, Sam Anders. But... He got lobotomized, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I liked him. The pro lot. athlete turned resistance fighter. Uh-huh. I liked Cylon. him a lot. And he and he had a he was a guy with morals. You know, he was a good guy. Yeah. And he was also the bad guy and he didn't know it. Also, yeah. You know? But I found that compelling, but you know that, and that's the you can't really equate that to a spinoff series because that's such a bottle, it's such a bottled up show, you know. Yeah, and an Anders spinoff would conflict with the Andor spinoff. For, right. Oh, there's for that Star too. Wars. There's that too. Uh man, what other sci-fi? I know we're like reaching for straws at this point, but you know man. what I would like to see? Yeah. A no, Firefly I don't. Fly origin series. Well, that would be good. I would like to see the, the, the Brown Coast versus the colonists. That's one. Or you could go all the way back to the voyage from Earth to the new solar system. That would be good too, because you could bet that those planets that they land on are not exactly, you know, paradise. They had to terraform all of them. And there still were. Yeah, you could see the, or maybe like a, a kind of a quick flashback of everybody leaving, and then it kind of cuts to the next, to like however many generations when they first arrive in that new solar system. Yeah. 
and how they start terraforming. But yes, I would like uh, a, it was. It's kind of like how people have been clamoring for Game of Thrones spinoffs, where it's like, oh well, we'd love to see Aegon's conquest all the way back, whatever, three hundred years before the show. But what we are getting is the fire, uh, which is the House of the Dragon, which is basically the Fire and Blood <laughs> series of books, um, which basically is like the Targaryen family history, and they're doing the Dance of the Dragons. So that that would be like the the brown coats versus the alliance. And that'd be cool. So okay, all right. Let me let me let me ask you this question. It's not okay. exactly in the line of because I would love to see the 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 brown coats, you know, war. I would love to see that, and I think sure, that would be yeah. a great spinoff. Here's my philosophy philosophical question. Prequel, yeah. Um. Do you think, since the two main countries that financed these colony ships were mm-hmm. the United States and Communist China? Well, you, you know this show would sell in China. It w- Well, here's my question. Maybe it wouldn't. Do you think that it was the Chinese that were predominantly in charge of the government? Ergo, mostly fascistic. And it's control of information and teaching, you know, the ways of doing that, which is what caused the Brown Coat Rebellion. Because they also had the American influence. It was never explicitly stated, but I'm sitting here thinking, holy shit, that might be what did it. Hmm. It's an interesting thought. I'd never considered that. I mean, you saw a heavy Chinese influence, especially in the movies, but they yeah. would speak Mandarin every now and then. They, yeah, which they, they would knew basically that there do was a Chinese curse. influence. They would, yeah, do they would do it to curse. Yeah, but in it, the movie Serenity, like they, they showed that there was a heavy Asian slash slash Chinese influence. Which, I mean, they made it more ambiguous Asian influence, but it was supposed to be China. Yeah. Hmm. But, I mean, I mean, we obviously know that the central government was a very tyrannical government. And they created the Reavers because they were trying to subjugate their their, their colonists. Well, oh, that could have been an interesting origin. Miranda. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we kind of we all know what kind of happens. You know, you got the exposition dump. That was yes. Sarah Paulson, by the way, doing the expedition dump. Oh, really? That was her? Yep. Oh, damn. Good for her. She's in everything. She is, apparently. Damn. Um, But yeah, that's my two cents. I don't know. I think there's validity to that thought. Well, Firefly, since, particularly since it had so little in the way of um, screen time, is definitely something that I think they're, Disney's going to do a reboot, but I think it would have been primed for a spinoff or a, uh, you know, or, a, or an origin story or something. You know, I own Firefly, I own Serenity, and I can't tell you the last time I watched it. I used to watch Firefly uh, regularly, but I have not in a long time. 
now I can watch it on Hulu. Yeah. I may need to watch the pilot again. That was always fun. Well, it's funny because the pilot. It was aired out of order. Oh, totally. And I was just going to say that because iTunes has you listed in order of how it was supposed to air. But the air date for the pilot was December 20th of 2002. And then the train job. Which I I uh, which was the premiere was September 20th, September 20th of 2002. Why would an executive do this? Like, again, we all know Fox has not had a very good history when it comes to solid sci-fi. Outside of the X-Files, barely anything's lasted a season. Maybe Fringe, about it. Sleepy Hollow for... And that, I don't think, got the push it deserved either. No, no. So. God damn. I mean, thir- 14 episodes. For Almost all of them are aired out of order. It's exactly almost all what of them. Like, TNT I mean, did with Crusade. You're right. The same thing. Yeah, and that's the funny thing about watching the Discovery takeover of Warner Brothers. It, it looks like it's like finally the adults are in the room. Like, going to one of the brothers and be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you may have a different opinion. I feel like Discovery is run by smart people. I don't know. They used to do real things. Now, outside of Shark Week, it's like, what is it? Like my 600-pound life and shit that they're doing? Yeah, well, they do that, but they know what they can make money off of. They at least, they're competent in that. Here, they're looking at the, the catalog of what Warner Brothers owns, and they're going, you're fucking this up every which way from Sunday. Yeah. And what are you doing? And I feel like that kind of management, who manages to make money off of my 600-pound life, by the way, a lot of money, who created a very successful streaming service mm-hmm. that is ancillary to all the other streaming services, what, but is very successful. Plus? Yeah, Discovery Plus. Very successful, by the way. Yeah, Which let me like tell you CNN how Plus. angry that made me. I time. know. They actually had some good Shark Week stuff that was only on there. And yes. I wanted to shoot the fucking TV and choke their executives. It's only a matter of time Plus, because before it all merges with fucking HBO streaming Plus. streaming wars off. I'm sick of it. It's all going to come together. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, yeah, you and Paul McCartney. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was all together when it was called TV. Right now. So. What would you me. do? You'd just pay a little more and you'd just get a few more channels. Or more. or you could, go, you could go the Paramount Plus rate way and pay for one month, cancel it, but still have all the subscription benefits after two months of canceling. <laughs> you want to know what's really shitty is when you pay for things like Paramount Plus and Hulu and you get still get fucking commercials. Oh, I know. I know. The, the commercials at the very beginning. For you. I know. The commercials at the very beginning. The non, you have the non-commercial tier. The non-commercial tier 
and yet they still do the promos that you can't skip that are 20, 30 seconds long in the beginning. I would take a, 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 a promo, a 30-second promo to start the episode, and then between the end of the episode and the credits, as long as they just ran basically from start to end. Do that, now you won't hear me, bitch. You interrupt this shit like I'm watching TV and you're an asshole. So wait, do you have the ad layer on Hulu and stuff? Yes. All right, so you're paying the $6 tier, not the $12 tier. Exactly. Well, $13 tier. But okay, I'll go. But what I'm saying is if if they just, if they put one at the very beginning, like after the credits or whatever, or before the credits would be even, or before the show starts, you have to sit through that just to get to your show. And then you put it right at the end of the content before it gets to the credits. Then I'm okay with that. I'll go one better. I will tolerate commercials within the program if I no. know that I'm paying for a commercial tier, okay? That comes in between like regular commercials on the TV. Mm-hmm. However, do not repeat the same goddamn commercial Agreed. three times in a row and every single commercial break. Also agreed. You guys need to figure it out because a lot of people are starting figure to that cut shit streaming out. services. Holy shit. I know they do it because they want to irritate the shit out of us. So we go to non the non pay uh, the non advertising tier. I think it's going to backfire. I think people are actually just going to because everybody's talking about cutting more cords. What are you going to do? Stare at the wall? If you go outside Netflix. and play. Cool. Netflix is go- is going to an ad tier. And do you think that they'll do the same thing? No, they're going to want to promote their ad tier. So it's not as irritating. I don't I haven't heard anything from Disney Plus, which is good. Disney has talked about it. They haven't made any decisions yet. But if the Disney's in their own realm of shit right now. I so. think Disney probably won't do it because of all the kids they're trying to bring into it. Well, okay. Well, that's the other thing. Think about this. All the kids they want to bring into it. Do you know how much money toy advertisements would bring into that 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 Disney advertising? It's all fun and games till the parents cut it off. Holy shit. Well, that's what they're worried about right now. They're in a whole other world of shit right now. Yep. They lost 200,000 subscribers. Rumored, I know it's the same amount of number that, that Netflix lost, but it's rumored they lost 200,000 subscribers in the last month. Um, Disney did. Well, some of their content, some of the things that people think they're pushing. Yeah. That's all. That's a thing. So, but we don't, we don't talk about that here. So, but we do talk about the questionable thought about Stacey Abrams being on Star Trek because she's a politician and she was the first one. That's all I'll say. Hey, she should have a spinoff. Yeah, she can do it when she runs the fucking Congress or governor or whatever. Stay the fuck out of my Star Trek now. She should, she should, she should have like a whole like West Wing version of the Federation. I read that they made a book about like that. that. It was called Articles of the Federation. It was a novel that took place right after Nemesis. 
in a really? federation president and her council. It actually was pretty good. They created the feder a federation president who was kind of tied into a lot of these tie-in novels huh. uh, for several years. Yeah, no, it was actually pretty interesting. Um, it, it, at times it was like kind of going from like crisis to crisis, vignette to vignette, but it was still kind of like one thing. But you could pull that off. Yeah. You, yeah, you can't could. do it with a real politician, though. But you, you can bet Paramount's going to try. <laughs> they already, they already put the gauntlet down. Cameos are one thing. If you I let's you're, just you're, say you're absolutely, here, here. Correct. You're absolutely correct there. Yes. If you were to spin off President what President Rillick, I have no and idea. Act, and the 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 president of the Federation in Discovery season four. If you were to spin her off and do an entire series West Wing style of the Federation, you might get people who jump on board with that. Wait, wait, was she president of Earth or the Federation? Stacey Abrams was president of Earth. Okay, because I was like, wait a minute, that means the, the president of the Federation died. No, she was president of Earth. The president of the Federation was like part Bajoran, Cardassian, and, and human. human. Yeah, there was something, something like that. Yeah. But I, I was saying that she was president of the Federation. Uh, Stacey Abrams was president of the Federation. But, she was the yeah, president but, of Earth. She was president of Earth. You're right. So, I mean, if you were to do president, because president of Earth is just lame now in Star Trek. Okay? <laughs> it is. President of the Federation, that's where you're going to get more interesting things. This is true. If, if, they, if they are able to figure out Clone War style of political intrigue and not prequel political intrigue, where you're able to stretch it out a little bit more, then you might be able to do that with Star Trek. But you know what I think you'd have to do? You'd have to have it be with a companion TV series. You know, very similar to what, and this is not that similar, but similar to what DS9 and TNG were for each other for two seasons. Like they, but but work more closely together. Oh, oh, like what Station Nineteen and Grey's Anatomy, or the one Chicago franchise, right? Or right. The Arrowverse, right? You have them work, you know, closely together routinely. Well, then my idea sounds right. If you're going to continue Discovery to season five, then you spin off President Rillick and there, and you get a, a series where she's. You're watching the rebuilding of the Federation from the governmental standpoint. Yeah. And then you get Discovery doing their pizza cutter in space. <laughs> Leap from one uh, MacGuffin to another. Yep. Michael Burnham cries for a while. Hey, did she cry at all during season four? Yeah, she remember she had the, the whole issue with Book going off the reservation. I only saw the first episode of season four. I haven't watched oh. the rest of it. So, and I'm never going to. And fuck you then. Fuck what do you, you mean? What do you mean? You dragged me down the rabbit hole of Stacey Abrams numerous times, and you didn't even bother to watch the series. Numerous is season. twice. 
numerous as twice. And what am I saying? Dawn would have been better. What am I saying? I I literally said they should do a spinoff series with Stacey Abrams' character. I am promoting it. I am literally promoting it. What am I a bad guy here for? Don't. Don't. I seriously don't know what I did wrong, folks, but that's fine. Stop it. I'm actually out here promoting a series of, you know... It, again, yeah. it won't it, it won't draw people in. If you're going to throw Star Trek at it, you're gonna need to be big. Hence so, this. Hence the companion series. No, that it, yes, but not with her. You got to do it with the Federation president, not the president of Earth. Racist. What the hell? What? <laughs> Stop being so no. human centric. God damn it. <laughs> I literally said it should be a, a series about her. I get it. All right, I'm human centric. Okay. Oh darn. Xenophobe. Ugh. I don't even know what to say anymore. All right. Well, we we probably should tackle at least one or two others because we've only done like three. Maybe four. We might have talked about four. We talked about well, Firefly, we, we, uh, Techno Mages, DS9, and we've done Georgie. a couple within Trek. We we discussed why why it would be hard with um, Battlestar. It's a bottle show. I mean, that's the thing. Star Star Wars. We've seen. We've seen the spinoffs of Star Wars. There's a million and five, but is there any you can think of right now that actually deserve one? The guy with the microphone on his face. The Jedi. Oh, Plo Koon? Yes, Plo Koon. Or we don't know if he's dead or alive. Oh, he's dead. Is he dead? Yes, his starship blew up. That's why I was, I mean, when you hear that that was the rumor that they were putting around the set before Luke Skywalker, you know, surprised everybody. It's like, (laughs) how's Dave Filoni going to do this? Because his his fucking starship blew up. This isn't isn't Star Trek. He didn't just beam out. Yeah, no, they don't have that ability. (laughs) Well, shoot. Okay. Plo Koon was very interesting. If you read the character biography, he's actually... Capable of a force technique called electric judgment, which is basically non-evil force lightning. Oh, really? I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Was there a thing? Was it a certain color? Yeah, it wasn't like... Uh, it wasn't purple. No. Supposedly. I don't know how much of this is legend or like deep cuts from like supporting novels or stuff, but apparently that's true. Um, it was very interesting. Um, Plo Koon would be interesting. Well, I mean, we're getting a, a Cassian. Cassian, yeah. Cassian, yeah, sorry. I have no desire to see that spinoff. You know what they haven't done that would be fascinating to do? is from the Imperial perspective. But I know what you're saying, and I would love that. I would I would absolutely love that. 
but you know what the problem would be. Can can you tell me what the problem would be? Finding a lead that you would actually want to follow? No. <sighs> Knowing that they're all going to die? You would be lending a sympathetic voice to a movement that is technically supposed to be completely evil. And <laughs> Star Wars is about good and evil. But that was the neat thing about Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire. True. They, they Which is now Legends. Yeah, but there's still a lot of serious rumor that they're going to attempt to do like an Heir to the Empire TV movie with some of these um, We're Mandalorian type interconnected series. Sure, sure. Well, you know they're bringing in Thrawn. Oh, I know. I know. They're they're going to bring him in, and that'll be great. And Ezra's a, coming with them. A Thrawn limited series where he's back in charge of, you know, this is what would be interesting. You get a Thrawn limited series, like five, six episodes, where you see that he's rebuilding, and then it comes to a head with all these other series. <clears throat> Thrawn was such a captivating villain even as a um, antagonist in Rebels, I would have watched much more of him than they put out on screen. You know what the problem with that would be, though? Not enough and, purple, uh, not enough blue dye uh, for the actors. No, they've got plenty of that. You saw Cad Bane. Um, I saw Shran. You saw Shran. They, they've, <laughs> they put themselves into a writing corner. Because we've got we've got the sequel trilogy, and then we've got the original trilogy, and this takes place what four, starts four years after Return four or of the five Jedi, years. yeah. And then we, we're like six years, maybe seven after Return of the Jedi at this point, yeah. And so we're gonna have this build up to Thrawn. In the meantime, and none of it will matter narratively. Because we know Thrawn has no influence whatsoever among the New Republic. And he has no influence whatsoever among the First Order. While I would love to see Thrawn be this kind of character that you describe. So and here's, it, it, it here's would how absolutely I think... work. It would be the greatest thing for Star Wars ever. Narratively, it won't matter. Here's how I think it can matter. So, you know, they kind of mentioned in the after, I guess in the Aftermath trilogy, which I guess at times has been sort of canon and sort of not. These uh, these novels that kind of came from, uh, you know, that Disney kind of put out. Yeah. You can use some of that as a buildup where, like, the New Republic kind of starts to demilitarize when they think the Empire's defeated, Thrawn shows up like five, six years later, kicks their ass for a while. They finally beat him. They think they've wiped what's left of the Imperials out, and they fully demilitarize back to kind of what the Republic was pre-Clone Wars. And that's why they're really caught with their pants down after, you know, when the First Order shows up is because they're like, no, we've wiped out all the Imperials. The last group that came together, we wiped out under Thrawn. 
I, I, I understand and I follow what you're saying. It, it's basically the same principle as having an Obi-Wan series halfway between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. I know, and none of it matters. But it's still going to be awesome. Uh, but none of it matters. <laughs> That's my point. We get to see it, but we already know the outcome. Yeah, but maybe it actually sets something else in motion that we're not aware of. I, maybe. I mean, what we need is we need a Star Wars series that we know is outside the bounds of our temporal bookend. Ooh. So here's what's interesting. If you look at the uh, art of Ahsoka that comes with yeah. the actual title card, it's very reminiscent of the Rebels episodes, The World Between Worlds. The, the, the World Between Worlds, The Veil. Which, yes. You could actually see Star Wars spin off and do alternate and like an entire alternate universe yes and and that has been talked about among the other blogs that are less militaristic than we are i mean more militaristic than we are trust me um (laughs) all i'm saying i don't know you could do or even like a just like a three-parter or something like a three-hour Thrawn <clears throat> special. The Grand Admiral Thrawn holiday special. Where he, yeah. where he gives the New Republic a Christmas gift of uh, an Imperial fleet coming out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm just saying Thrawn is one that's a, that's a character that's rich for it. If they do him well in these other shows, then maybe you don't need it per se, but that's a character that really deserves more treatment or you could bring a legends character in like Mara Jade and give her her own spin-off. They could do something along the lines of a Jedi Academy, uh, you know, a Jedi Academy series that I mean they're doing High Republic books which are like 200 years before The Phantom Menace. Yeah. You could do origin stories like the founding of the the Jedi when they were the Jedi. No, I mean, uh, again, I, I agree that all of that could happen. I mean, the High Republic has not been met with a lot of enthusiasm, unfortunately. Oh, um, here you go. You could spin off what happens after the Final Order is defeated. Well, that's exactly what I want. And bring back Thrawn there. Holy well, shit. He'd be like 80. I don't, then again, we don't know how long. We don't is, know how old he ages. Maybe, and maybe that's an interesting idea. And instead of fighting, you know, Mando and company, maybe he's fighting Ray's here. <laughs> All Ray I'm, and Grogu I mean, tie, team up to defeat Grand Admiral Thrawn. And I, I, I feel like I've gone into cynicism territory or here. Thrawn. Which I have, and I apologize. Son of Thrawn. Yeah, there we go, Son of Kong. All I'm saying is, the character of Thrawn deserves a grandiose meaning in the Star Wars universe. 
and any kind of showing of him in the time period that we have the Mandalorian would be utterly meaningless. It only works if they show him wearing pants big enough to fit his huge balls. Because if you fucking read the books, nobody in, nobody in the Imperial forces have balls as big as Thrawn. So is that how we should end the show? With the big balls? They are blue. <laughs> I think that's where we do it. What do you think? No, I don't think that's something we should be ending on. I don't know. I, I, Thrawn is is an idea. You could spin off. I mean, what? I mean, they were going to spin off Cara Dune into Rangers of the New Republic. Maybe you don't need Gina Carano to do Rangers of the New Republic. Maybe you can bring on somebody else to star in Rangers of the New Republic. Yeah, no, you could. I mean, whether they would be welcomed by the fans is another issue. They'd have to you have, have kind of charisma. You could have Sebastian Stan show up as slightly old, you know, slightly younger Luke Skywalker. And his... Oh, they've made a pretty good point that they're going to keep the other original Luke <laughs> in the in the unhappy in the uncanny valley. <laughs> hey, here's something you could you could bring back Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo, and you could follow Han Solo post Endor and what they're up to there. Yeah, that's a good one. You'd have to, I guess maybe he'd have to hook up with Billy Lord or something. I don't know. Somebody who's going to have to be there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm running out of gas, man. I, I, I could go on forever. There's, you know, there's so know. many, there's so many characters. I mean, but we've covered Star Trek, Star Wars, Battlestar, Babylon 5, Firefly. I mean, starring. Stargate, I mean, barring a uh, a Briscoe County Jr. spinoff. Which I, mean, I still think a movie that's like $5 million would still be viable. Gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost more than like the first two original De- uh, Evil Deads combined, I think. I would. But a $5 million Briscoe County Jr. show, a movie? Sure. That would get, that would get fans. You could do like a special tour. Like the way Kevin Smith does with his movies, he doesn't really mass release them. He he tours the country and he like sells out all these theaters. And he does Q and A's afterwards, like to motivate people to come. I would Q and A with Bruce Campbell in a heartbeat. Absolutely, think about that. You give him you give him like some percentage on the back end, along with the ticket sales. Come on oh, now, we all know that Bruce, would work to do another Briscoe. Which, by the way, did you see that? article i sent you a few weeks ago where bruce campbell talks about his like five favorite roles no i i saw it but i didn't read it i'm sorry i i see those things you our time difference like our time difference i'm trying not to send them my first thing in the morning i know and i i appreciate that and i understand that but you know like i get them no you sent this at 9 45 i was drunk (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so but his top five favorite roles oh he t- he spent like half his book if chins could kill talking about briscoe county jr 
Yeah. Which, by the way, have you read that book, If Chins Could Kill? I think I have it. Well, I, if you I, haven't, I, you should get uh, it. No, right? I think I have it. I know. If you don't, you should get it. But, yeah, it's Top a great. Top five, Ash, Briscoe County Jr., Elvis from Bubba Hotep, Atolicus, and Jack of All Trades. That's plus, all the best. That's all, those are all the best ones. Plus, <laughs> plus Burn Notice. Burn Notice. Autolycus and Jack of All Trades. <sighs> I, I thought he was great as Sam Axe. Sam Axe. Sam Axe from Burn Notice. He was great in Burn Oh, he was great. That was the USA show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he got his he own spinoff movie, shirts. The Fall yeah. of Sam Axe, where it kind of explains how he became Mike's, <laughs> Mike's uh, informant guy. It yeah. Was <laughs> it, was, it was entertaining. And, of course, Bruce got to be Bruce, but he was a little serious as Sam, which is kind of what you got in the show. But he was also Bruce. He just wasn't over-the-top Bruce most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. What a goddamn life that man has had. You know, for a guy who's really mostly been in B movies and like short lived TV shows, he really has pulled off quite he, a successful <laughs> career. Like, that is a goddamn dream. I mean, he lives a dream life. He doesn't probably feel like it, though, but goddamn. Like, gosh damn. I, I should I mean, say. what's the longest running TV show he's ever been on? It's got to be Burn Notice. Yeah, that was like five seasons or something. Right. The Ash um, versus the Evil Dead was what, like two? Uh, maybe three. Jack of all trades was technically like a season and a half. Briscoe it was, was a one. season and a half. Yeah, Briscoe was one. A long one, <laughs> but it was one. I mean, you know, he's done a ton of guest stars and lots of movies. And anytime Sam makes a movie, you know, he's going to be in it. I mean, shit, I wonder how many appearances he had as Atolicus. If he, you know, if he had at least 10, it's, he's halfway to another TV series. It really is. Holy shit. How many episodes was this? He was in three three seasons of Ash versus the Evil Dead. Wow. Always good. That His was heart Netflix, was pounding right? harder than a quarterback on prom night. <laughs> Literally a line that he used. <laughs> I mean, did you ever see My Name is Bruce? No, where he it, he fights like he, he plays himself in a situation where he's where fighting he's the paranormal. Like, yeah, he's like, you know, some some kids like my town's under attack by some undead monster. I better call Bruce Campbell. And it yeah. turns out the kid is a, like a Bruce Campbell you know, fanboy and they hire Bruce who's like, Totally not up for the challenge. <laughs> like I'm, I'm serious, dude. My name is Bruce. I'm just, I'm just one guy. It was yeah. such a ridiculous movie. It was awesome. Oh, so good. I oh my god! So looking dude. when that came out, I have to. Here we go. It was like 2007. I cut you off before you could prove your your worthiness. It was like it was, but I remember it being like a sci-fi movie. You know, it was. He, he, after like all of his shows went off the air and before Burn Notice really kicked off, uh, he was doing a lot of like these sci-fi movies. Yeah, sci-fi channel <laughs> movies. But I think my name is Bruce. I mean, he did Boba Hotep in the middle of them, which has got a big cult following. But yeah, Ted Raimi, 
playing all these different other characters. Ted Raimi, who was, yeah, it was Sam's brother, who's, he, I think his biggest role was on Xena, and then he was on Sequest. Yeah, as a uh, Joxer, Joxer on Xena. O'Neill uh, on Sequest. He was in all three seasons. One of the few guys yeah. who was in all three seasons. Quite <laughs> a dweeb. Not, none of those show, none of him, none of his characters would have warranted a spinoff for, with him specifically, by the way. With uh, Tim Ray? Joxer or O'Neill or uh, no. you know, whatever. No. Bruce Campbell deserves a spinoff as Bruce Campbell. Yes. Yes. Let's end on that note, shall we? Because that's a, that's an upbeat note. I'd watch a Bruce Campbell spinoff. <laughs> Would you? Starring Bruce Campbell. It was Bruce Campbell and Bruce Campbell. Directed so. by Bruce Campbell. Written by Bruce Campbell. Produced, produced by, by Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Campbell edited. By Quentin Tarantino. There you go. <laughs> mm. On that note, everyone... We hope you enjoyed yourselves. Please follow us on Twitter at Those Sci-Fi Guys or at PSBK. Uh, send us notes. Send us your thoughts. And please know that occasionally we fall into those pop culture guys and those bizarre real world guys. But mostly we're those sci-fi guys. So you guys keep dreaming and we keep working. So long, and some, folks. And a lot of times keep drinking. I stopped an hour ago, but that's fine. I'm DT Catman. I stopped drinking 20 minutes ago, and I'll see you on the high ground. <laughs> Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Catman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at